gossip is when we talk about somebody that's not present in a negative way. Slander is even next level. It's really attacking somebody's character reputation. Uh, that's how I decide between the two, discern between the two. Encouraging, inspiring, and equipping leaders. This is Coach and Joe. Welcome to Coach and Joe. I'm here with the illustrious Mike Thornton. Great beard. I do have a question. That's not Polo's, not Ralph Lauren. That's not Tommy Hilfiger or Bubba Hilchiger. That's a selfish. <laughs> and what is that shirt? I don't know. I bought it one day. I just it fits so good. I have no idea what brand it is. Though. Do you know that uh, the shirts that I like, but I'm too fat to wear them. Which ones? Maybe one day wear uh, Izod. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you ever tried on an Izod shirt? They're sports bras. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, I had this conver- I had this conversation the other day. When's the last time you tried on an Izod shirt? Uh, never, because. For my, I have a love hate relationship with clothes. So I'm that guy where I can't really go to the regular store, but I have to go to big and tall. But even the big and tall are still bigger. So it's this hard in between spot. So some brands like Izod, I don't even, I can't even. Michael, I've lost weight in the past year, but it was recently. And we were down at the beach, went to one of these, uh, they'll call them factory. What do you call it? Outdoor malls. Uh, outlets. Outlets. Mm-hmm. And I went into a Lacoste. I mean, this thing, these things are awesome. The Gator one, the alligator. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a tennis type look. Mm-hmm. And I put on an extra large lacrosse. And it looked like I was the victim of a bee sting. Do you know what I do when I try a shirt on like that? I have, uh-huh. I have to do the, the arms test. I have to go <laughs> like this. And if it raises up above my belly button, I, I can't wear it. Uh, I, a buddy of mine named Richard Burgess, um, we spent a lot of time together. We went out to Pebble Beach to play golf a few months ago. We were out there trying clothes on at Pebble Beach. And Richard's, you know, he's not a small guy. And he said, what he's noticing is, as <laughs> the closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ, mm. I'm not kidding. He said this. He said, the sizes of clothes is shrinking as though they're for tiny people. In the past, an XL could dwarf me. Yep. Wendy mm-hmm. bought me a shirt the other day from TJ Maxx. I'm a TJ Maxx guy. She doesn't know this yet. I tried it on. I'm... I'm two ultra marathons away from being able to wear that shirt. And it's <laughs> <laughs> and it's an extra large. Yeah, I, there was a time where I could buy clothes at Target and I can't buy clothes at Target anymore because of that thing. It's like they shrunk the clothes. All right. Michael Thornton. I want to jump into a couple of few, maybe more episodes on something that has become a passion of mine. And I didn't see this coming. I'm I'm the lead pastor of the Garden Greenville. You're on staff at the Garden Greenville. You're over Garden College, our school. You're pretty much now running the day-to-day operations of the church. I'm more of the senior leader. In the last 10 years of my position, there is something that I have seen over and over and over again that I had never seen until I became a lead pastor. So I've been walking with Jesus since I was 12. Uh, been a lead pastor from age 40 to 50. Mm-hmm. I have seen more gossip and slander in the last 10 years than I did the, my previous life. I have never seen anything like it. I, 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 You read Corinthians. I took a class in seminary, and I'm like, mm-hmm. man, that's the roughest church I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> Corinthians was kind of a train wreck. Paul, you know, if I had to preach, hey, stop sleeping with your moms, that's probably a rough church. I don't want to act like, <laughs> I don't want to act like the church. Oh, the church has gotten rough. Well, it's, it was rough in the New Testament. But the thing that I have noticed is I cannot believe how many of God's kids struggle with gossip and slander. Mm -hmm. 
you have a passion to hate what God hates. Yes. You walk in a high level of purity, as you've once said from stage. You you did the impure thing for so long. God saved you from drugs, death. And when you had an encounter with Jesus, you actually said, I want to walk with you. Mm -hmm. You have learned to love what he loves and hates what he hates. He really hates gossip and slander. Mm. I want you to start off with the passage that you read, that Proverbs 8, 13. Yes. And then I'd love for you to describe the difference in gossip and slander. Absolutely. Right. Proverbs 8, 13, this is what it says. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate, this is the Lord speaking. I hate pride. I hate arrogance. I hate evil behavior and perverse speech. It's a powerful verse, but it really gives us insight that there really are some things that God hates. And um, in this conversation about gossip and slander, one of the easiest ways to look at the difference between the two, the way I define it, is that gossip is when we talk about somebody that's not present in a negative way. Slander is even next level. It's really attacking somebody's character reputation. Uh, that's how I decide between the two, discern between the two. Miriam asked a great question a little bit ago before the show. Why does he hate it so much? I believe because it really contaminates so many people. I think uh, people look at gossip, even slander to a degree, and they don't think that it's a real big deal. But the reality is it really is contagious. And so it really gets on other people. And uh, people begin to pick up other people's offenses and they begin to pick up those things and it spreads so fast through the body. And the next thing you know, you have a whole dissension or a group on your hands that are just completely filled with negativity towards a person, towards a leader. And it, it causes a lot of division. I was with Dave Ramsey twice in the past year. Once was with you, went to one of his smaller training events and then went to his big yearly conference. Dave Ramsey is not a pastor of a church. Uh, he has a thousand people on staff. Uh, he's not dealing with spiritual capital. He's dealing with financial capital. He has the most aggressive stance against gossip and slander of any leader I've ever heard inside the church or outside the church. You want to know what the father has shown me recently the, in my career? He said, Chad, you've tolerated a lot of it. Wow. This Sunday, you're going to be speaking on gossip and slander in our house. I have a word for our house. It's a snare. It's a trap. I think a lot of people uh, struggle with it because they don't have fathers who warn them of the dangers. So I, I love anointed teachers. I love it. Mm -hmm. But a, a mark of a true spiritual father is they they warn a lot. And the the God is always in a good mood crowd thinks that such legalism and and uh, oh that's pain we just need to let God love you and if He loves you the gossip and slander will go away well I hear you but Paul warns a lot mm -hmm. in the New Testament he's just warning a lot and I just believe that there are because one of the things that that Ramsey realized Ramsey was the one allowing it to go on in his organization. Yep. Once he made that decree, once he made it code of conduct, what, you have to sign the sheet of paper when you go to work for him. Guess what, Michael? It just magically left. <laughs> I think a lot in our faith communities, it's being allowed by leadership. Your thoughts on that? Oh, a thousand percent. I think that, well, I think this is where it starts, Chad. If we don't have a healthy understanding of the word, if we don't have a healthy biblical understanding of God's view of gossip and slander, then how are we going to lead? How are we going to correct? How are we going to implement that in the people we're leading or the organizations where we're serving? So it really starts with our own personal, okay, 
what God, what is your view on this? And when we catch the revelation from the word, oh, wow, God, you really despise this, hate this. This is something now that I want to make a core value. This is something I want to make really part of my belief system. And I believe that's how you begin to kind of teach it, model it into the culture, kind of what Dave Ramsey has done. And I think the more you get it into the culture, then the more the culture begins to understand and is aware, oh, we don't do that here. Uh, we shouldn't do that here. If I do that here, there's actually consequences. And that's that's absolutely, absolutely huge biblical. What I love, this is not just a conversation about how to lead a local church. This has to do your family, yes, your job. Let's let's talk about the root of gossip and slander. I think one of the things we have to be objective about if a person is prone to gossip and slander, the Lord showed me the other night, he showed mm. me a picture of a person. I was actually praying to forgive a person. The Lord showed me that the person is full of gossip and slander. Said uh, the person's a, a drama hound. Let's talk about the root of that. I want to talk about the first p- yes. possibility is that person's not born again. There are a lot of people I believe that believe they're born again and they're not. If a person is prone to gossip and slander, which a lot of times people say, "Well, I'm just processing; it's not gossip and slander." If you're prone to slippery words, as the Bible would say. One of the open gates is potentially that person's not born again. Mm-hmm. But let's say let's say that's not in play. A person is born again. Okay. What what do you believe is the open doorway? Why is a person so drawn to it? Yeah, I think there's so many reasons that we could we could ask for that. Um, I think one could be insecurity. You know, a person could have some insecurities about them, and then maybe somebody who's confident who's bold, triggers those insecurities. And all of a sudden, you know what? I don't like this person, disagree with this person. It could easily turn into gossip. It could easily turn into, "Mm, I don't like this person because so-and-so. And And what's motivating that is an insecurity in that person. I think that's, I think that's a massive one. Uh, There's, there's so many. Um, I think a lot of times there are people carrying so many hurts and wounds too, Chad, that they've not really fully been healed or dealt with. And uh, those wounds and hurts in us create a landing place for gossip. Yeah. They create a, 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 a place where things like gossip could actually even feel good. It actually can feel right. And, and people entertain it, people engage in it. And it, they have, they don't even think it's wrong. They don't, they don't even have a clue what they're doing because it's, 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 it's hitting something deep in them. That's, that's been off or has been off for quite some time. You know what I notice about that scenario is it, uh, God's judgment seems to fall. This is my experience a lot harder on someone that actually they do know what they're doing. Yes. I'm going to tell you what you much read, you'd be way better off not knowing you're doing it than be a person that has a lot of traction with God. You've walked with God for a long time. When you intentionally choose in to gossip and slander, what mm. he hates it. Yeah. Let me read Psalm. Listen to this. Psalm 101.5. Okay. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Mm. Uh, I've heard John Bevere go here, not many others. There's consequences to gossip and slander. A thousand percent. You know, Ananias and Sapphira opened up gateways, opened up a pathway of, of not good thing to happen to them. Yeah, I, th- I believe, Michael, that the Father has shown me over the last 10 years, if we knew how seriously he took this, we would have trepidation about it. Mm-hmm. You, you would be, you would not do it. It's sin. And that's why there's consequences to it, because there are always going to be consequences to sin. I mean, it's listed as one of the seven deadly sins in Proverbs, right? There's always going to be consequences to it because it is sin, and God can't bless sin. 
He he can't. He it's 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 against his word. So it creates a disconnect with God and with Abba by by natural natural default because it is sin at its core. Well, think about Jesus' prayer in John seventeen. The last thing he prays for before he goes into heaven is unity. Right? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of churches that God's not able to move in power because there's dissension, gossip, and slander on the elder board, or in your business on the board of directors. Psalm 133 is about unity and oil flowing from the top down. Mm. It is powerful when an elder board, a leadership team, a leadership team on a football team, whatever the highest ranking form of leadership is, when you're truly walking in unity and there is a culture of you just don't gossip and slander. It's just the way it is. It is amazing how Ramsey can trace the success of his business to one employee that he called out when I believe they only had a handful of employees. Wow. Guess what just happened to hit his business prosperity? Mm. What if we knew that a surefire way to not be successful in life is to have a slippery tongue? The Bible's filled with those kind of passages. I mean, and there's power, right, in the tongue. It says that life and death come from the tongue. We don't realize how powerful our words are. That that with our words, people are built up, encouraged, strengthened. And with those same words in our tongue, they are also tore down, damaged, destroyed, and cursed. Uh, let's say uh, someone's listening to us and they're not a lead pastor. Uh, they're a football coach, uh, own their own business. How can the story of Korah in the Bible help that person. Tell me, tell me what happened with Cora. Mm-hmm. What what are the nuts and bolts of that of that story? And uh why did it not go well for the people doing what we're talking about today? The story of Cora Moses, I believe, happens in Numbers chapter 16. And basically Moses is appointed by God to lead a group of people. And like such you know, anybody in leadership, you have to have a team, a leadership team, an organizational structure. Cora is on that leadership team. He is a really well-known, well-distinguished leader on that team. But Cora really disagrees with Moses's leadership style. And he begins to spread that disagreement, his dissatisfaction with some of Moses's choices through the community. Doesn't go to Moses, but he goes through all the other leaders. And one by one, other leaders begin to agree with Cora. Cora, you're right. I see what you're saying. You have a point. And before you know it, you have a big group of leaders that are now completely disconnected and completely in disagreement with Moses and his leadership, such to the point where now Cora begins to challenge Moses. Now it becomes public. It's no longer secret and hiding and backroom conversations. Now Cora has got so much like boldness in him that he's going to challenge the leader in God's authority. And what ends up happening is God intervenes. Um, Moses goes to his knees. He prays. That's huge, by the way. That's huge. He doesn't respond even to Cora's accusation. And that is huge because I've learned when we do respond to the accuser, we put ourselves under his authority. We come under his domain. Moses did not come under Cora's domain. He came under God's domain. He got a word from God and God gave him the word. And then Moses went and confronted Cora, but he did it with the word. And that's such a beautiful order and and something for us to follow is that when we are in a situation where we are gossip slandered and it comes back to us or someone accuses us, first thing we want to do is drop to our knees and hear, God, what do we do? What are you saying? Joseph did that when his brothers came back to him. Yes. And he will give you a clear word and direction. And I think the next thing is then you got to go to that person. You have to confront it head on. It has to, it has to manifest in a certain way um, that begins to bring light and, and everything to the situation. So in that story, Moses confronts him with the word and 
Basically, God intervenes and a hole opens up in the ground and swallows Korah and his whole family. Let's say you're you're a leader. Let's say you are the Dave Ramsey and the gossip and slander is going on in your organization, your family, whatever. I think it's an opportunity to build a lot of relational connection with the Father when you allow the Father to handle things. Yes. Moses hit his knees. Notice that now. Oh, so good. Well, it's a posture of humility. And and I think the best way to do this, Chad, is that when when we do it that way, that even takes the emotion out of it. You know, it takes the flesh side that could come into that. And we have a pure direction and word from the Lord. And now we can deliver it in such a way where God begins to move. And I think it really keeps us even from getting you know, tangled in our own flesh, our own emotions with the people that are coming against us. And let's talk about the other side of the coin. There are times when God will call the chief shepherd, football coach, whatever you are, lead pastor, leader of your business. He will literally call you, take the shepherd's rod and go confront mm. what's going on in community. Yes. I mean, Paul, I, how many times did Paul say, stop sinning? Stop. Stop sinning. There are times we had to be spirit led. Like David one time asked God what to do four different times, and God gave him four different things to do in time of war. Yes. There are times when actually a leader is enabling it by not addressing it in a culture, not teaching on it. You have a passion for Jude, that tiny little letter. Mm -hmm. In Jude, a lot of this stuff is discussed. Uh, I do believe there's an intimidation factor here that keeps a leader from seeing a healthy organization underneath his or her leadership yes. because they're scared of the people doing the yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, d I do think that there's a fear of man thing involved here where, yes, I understand the story of Korah. I get it. There are other times when Moses, he did confront them. Like, what are you doing? Why are you turning these earrings and or gold into earrings? Mm. What can a leader do? How do, how does a leader handle a lot of this going on? Let's say you're a youth pastor somewhere. Mm -hmm. What should that youth pastor do? What are some practical steps to address the sin? So I, if that youth pastor, it got back to him and he knows where it's coming from, I mean, obviously you want to call a meeting. And uh, I think you just have to have that conversation. Um, as awkward as it may be, as challenging as it may be, you have to have that conversation because the enemy always operates in the darkness. He always operates in the secrets. He always operates in the shadows. Mm -hmm. So having conversation like that is an opportunity to bring it into the light. It's an opportunity to get the truth out and just to begin to see, okay, what's going on here? How do we need to address it? So that's, that's what I would say. I've noticed uh, with meetings that you've led that I've been in and meetings that I've led that you've been in, I've noticed that a tactic from the Holy Spirit that's been very, very valuable is to ask questions. Yes. And let the other person talk. Huge. 99 times out of 100, that other person will start spilling their own demonic gossip and slander inside the meeting. And a lot of times what will happen is they will try to, to um, explain that as processing. Mm. I believe what a lot of us call processing, uh, the Father calls gossip and slander. Let me close here. What is the role of the judgment seat of Christ? Uh, forget other people. Let's talk about you and me. You have things to lead with what you're doing in your life. I just started a business where I'm going to have employees. I'm not just leading at the church. I'm leading a business. What is the role of the judgment seat of Christ to keep you and me pure away from gossip and slander? Why is the judgment seat of Christ a blessing and not something to be mortified over if you're pure? 
Right. Um, you know, I think that's an opportunity. I mean, obviously we have to give an account. It's where everything, the Lord comes. He, he, there's an account that we have to give for our life. And there is a sobriety that's healthy in that. It's the fear of the Lord mm -hmm. because we're going to have to give an account one day and our wives are not going to be there. Our spouses, our kids, that's our it. family. We're going to be there alone. That's it. You just said something that's the beginning of wisdom. What is it? It's fear of the Lord. I bless you with the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord's returning to the church. God is shaking his mm -hmm. temple. God hates gossip and slander. You know what, Michael? I don't want to just love what God loves. I want to hate what God hates. I pray this show has been a blessing to you. Send it out on your social media platforms. Perhaps there's some young leaders out there that can gain some knowledge on how to lead whatever God's calling he or she to lead on a higher level by this content. Bless you. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us on the Coach and Joe Leadership Podcast. Don't miss the Coach and Joe Talk Show on YouTube and check out coachandjoe.com for more resources, blogs, and merch. We will see you next time.